friends, and welcome back to the EC Daily Devotional Podcast. My name is Pastor Aaron Case, and I'm looking forward to our time together as we look at Leviticus chapters 22 and 23. Yesterday, during our time together in chapter 21, we read about how everything must be if a priest is ever to be able to draw near to God. God then lists the stipulations as to why they may or may not draw near to him. And so as we move into chapter 22, God tells Moses that Aaron and his sons were to abstain from the holy things that the people of Israel would bring as an offering to him. So basically what he's saying is what is meant for me should go to me, right? That should be simple, right? But there's obviously a deep truth there. And as human beings, we need that sort of warning. And when we get warnings from God, we must understand that they are for our good. That's something you'll hear a lot in these podcasts. And it's because it's the truth. A lot of times we see warnings as a threat against our own personal freedom or our choices. But in reality, when God tells us something and prescribes what we should be doing, we should understand that it's all about grace because grace surrounds every command of God. He himself is the authority and the standard. And when he tells us how to approach him, we should follow that because he is the one who knows what is good for us. And what is good for us is to bring him the most glory because he is most worthy. So so what happens is, Many times, if we're honest, many of us become so self-centered, we see it as an offense to us whenever we come in contact with these commands. And so our lack of humility is evident when we come in direct contact with these commands of God because we, we show our hearts by the fact that do we bow our backs or do we yield to what God says? That matters. That matters, church. What a... What way do you respond to the Lord? And so, Scripture then went on to teach and to talk about about what it means to be without blemish. And of course, that foreshadows uh, was foreshadowed by those who were in the priest's house who were able to partake in the blessing that the priest would be given. And listen, that is that is so good because it all this does is point near point us to the truth that you and I can draw near. As sinful and blemished as we are, when we are clothed in Christ's righteousness, our great high priest, who has made us worthy. Like, God is so good, amen? Like, look at all the grace that is just poured out into those verses. It's just so encouraging to know that this is what it means to be in Him. So, the Lord then goes on to describe at the beginning of verse 17 the types of offerings that are acceptable to Him. It cannot be what you're just (laughs) trying to get rid of. It cannot be what's lame or sick or just your extra. But instead, what is prescribed by God is your best. The best that you have. And, I mean, once again, I mean, it, it just begs the question, doesn't it? What are you offering up to the Lord? Every every once in a while, I bring this up to the people at Eden Chapel. I bring up Malachi chapter 1. Because it's so important for us to remember. God was so tired of the priests and the children of Israel just giving him their seconds, giving him their lame, giving them what they didn't want, rather than giving him 
all that they had rather than giving him and realizing that he was most worthy of their best. And God ended up saying in that chapter, I wish you wouldn't even come to church. I wish you would just shut the gates and the altar wouldn't even have a flame on it. I mean, could you imagine God saying that? Well, that's what he looks at us like when we just give him what's easy, what costs us nothing. And and no, church, we're we're not those who think we can earn by doing. But if you truly see Christ, if you truly know him, if you've been shown grace, if you've been brought from death to life, then what is he? What exactly is he worth, right? So what are we willing to sacrifice for the Lord shows the love that we have for the Lord. The rich young ruler, remember him, he saw his money as being too much. Now, is there something in our lives that we are really, really willing to keep at arm's reach that the Lord isn't allowed to touch? And if you... If he, if he shows you what that is, then my friend, hand that over to him because most definitely he is worthy. And so he ends chapter 22 uh, in verses 31 through 33. They're so good. I'm just going to read them. They say, so you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord and you shall not profane my holy name that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. <laughs> so good. God just saying who he is and reminding them who he is and letting us know that as we seek to walk in obedience, we better remember who he is. Amen? So, so that's 22. Now we move into chapter 23, and this is where we're introduced into the feasts. You've probably heard of those and not only mentioned all throughout scriptures, but also probably in church at some time or another. In chapters twenty and chapter twenty-three, we're introduced to the feast that the Lord has set up for his children, so they would be holy convocations or gatherings of remembrance of the goodness of God and his faithfulness throughout redemptive history. These were the feasts that were to be observed, okay? Let's start this off. The first one is the Sabbath. Right? Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day the Sabbath is a solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is the Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So all the people that love to give reasons as to why they're not going to be part of the church are really going to struggle here. Because every one of these is the gathering together of God's people to be obedient to Him and observe what He's commanded. So the Sabbath is where we begin. Each and every week we do this. The second is the Passover. And of course, this commemorates the final plague in Egypt where the firstborn and every family that did not have the lamb's blood applied to the doorpost perished. And of course, this points us to what, church? to That it is our need to seek Christ and his forgiveness that for his blood to be applied to our sin and to our account if we are ever to be right and brought near in the sight of God. So, that's the Passover. The third feast is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Leaven is a, a, a really not a positive thing in Scripture. It generally signifies sin. And to abstain from the leaven would be a powerful reminder for their need to keep themselves from what would separate them from the Lord, namely sin. So, that was the 
feast of unleavened bread. The fourth feast was the feast of first fruits, and this was a sacrifice and a reminder of the best that they have is what God deserved. Beginning with Him helps us see everything else in the place that it should be, right? So we begin with God and we give Him the first fruits. We give Him what is best because He, as we say, is most worthy. And so the fifth feast is the Feast of Weeks, which quite literally, believe it or not, lasted weeks, right? What a big surprise. And we see God's hand in taking care of the poor here and the sojourner, being sure that an entire field wasn't gleaned. So those who were struggling or those who were traveling, who were among God's children would be taken care of. Like God is just so good. He, he's, like I said, in all of his commands, they're just saturated with grace. The sixth feast is the feast of trumpets. And literally a trumpet would blast and a great rest would be observed. And so <laughs> what that makes me think of, of course, Whenever I hear of a trumpet blast, I think of the end times, right? I think when God comes to gather all of his elect, all of his children, and all of us who are in Christ will be at rest with him forever. Like, what a beautiful thing that was to point to, amen? And so, the seventh feast, gotta hurry here, is the feast of the Day of Atonement, and it shall be observed by the affliction, which is translated as being uh, fasting, so they were to fast, And those who are not fasting would be cut off from the people. And if you have no trust that God will atone for your sin, then cut off is what you will be. Now, now as we finish up here, church, I want us to understand and look at the seriousness with which with God takes all this. We take grace so much for granted, don't we? God, God cares about the details because he's perfect. He's prescribed how we are to come before him, to worship him and to love him. And this is how he's shown us, by his marvelous grace. Yes, I think I might have said the final feast, but here, actually, the final feast is the Feast of Booths. And as it is appointed, the children of Israel would make booths, and it, which was basically a tent made out of leaves, and it would help them remember that as their fathers, those who were before them, um, as they were fleeing Egypt, would live in these and stay in these as God was taking them to the promised land and leading them out to be their Savior. So all these things are what, church? They are types and shadows that are pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see him in every one of these commands to remember all these feasts? I pray that you know the Lord and you trust in his atoning death upon the cross that sets all of his people free. I pray that you go out and live for his glory and his glory alone. We love you. Hope you have a great day, church. See you next time.